under a time brokerage agreement between Devil Radio and Civic Media Inc. Some portions of this program may be pre-recorded. Warning, you're about to listen to the greatest radio show ever. And due to contractual obligations and to shield our airwaves and corporate licensees from any semblance of liability, responsibility, and gullibility, we must tell you the views represented on this show are not necessarily those of this station or its management. This radio show contains differing points of view on current political topics, and due to the nature of its contents, it should be heard by everyone. Thank you for listening. Now live from the Civic Media Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, where the political party is just beginning, welcome to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Friends proving it's never personal, only politics. Please allow me to introduce myself. And now, here's your hosts, Dom and Crute. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show, the hump day, happier happy hour, rolling into it, Dom, and... I got some insight. You don't even know this. What? Maggie Dawn's doing her show from the WMDX 92.7 FM studios. Her inaugural Madison production. And in deference, I've asked her to sneak in and join us a little bit later. Ah, oh, nice. So at her convenience, Maggie Dawn, the greatest, the incomparable, will join us during the greatest radio show ever. No offense, Maggie. You can join us as well. But, Dom, I'd like to start with one of the world's great ironies. Donald Trump had no qualms last night with the election results. Did he? (laughs) No, No, didn't hear a word about it. No election or any of that kind of stuff. But our friend Alexandria Petri over at the Washington Post, Dom, in an opinion piece, she points out Trump accepts the election results. Outraging his base. <laughs> I mean, why would he start now? Oh, because he won? It's a little, little humor, a little sarcasm in here. See if you can detect any of it. Somewhere, Rudy Giuliani is sobbing, sinking deeper and deeper into the puddle of tears and hair dye. Actually, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani was sitting in a car recently outside of Nikki Haley rally. And I don't know why he would be sitting in a car outside of Nikki Haley rally. I mean, even if he's not supportive, go check it out. Just, you know, curiosity. Why would you sit in the car? That's what you do when you're casing the joint. Man. And yesterday he was at the Red Arrow Diner in New Hampshire serving the unsuspecting coffee. And what they didn't know is he'd replace their normal coffee with his special hair dye brew. <laughs> That's actually Colbert's joke. His staff came up with that one last night. They were squeezing Rudy's head for the coffee grounds. Uh, anyways, Rudy, famous election denier, is sobbing, sinking deeper and deeper into a puddle of tears and hair dye. A shadow crosses the face of Cindy Powell, you know, the Kraken lady, Dom. A primary election happened, and Donald Trump just accepted it. It's no telling who got more votes in an election could possibly use to determine who had won it as though he was going to just participate in democracy. Now as though nothing had happened. (laughs) Yes. Donald Trump got the results of the election and accepted them without a murmur. Indeed. He boasted about them. His supporters thronged the Twitter to tell the person with fewer votes that she had lost 
as though winning fewer votes in an election were anything but an incentive to keep calling that election into question for years to come <laughs> and making life living hell for the election workers as though you could tell whom people really wanted on whom they cast their votes for as though votes meant anything. Supporters tried to puzzle out what had changed. What happened this election different from the presidential election? Was it that it was in New Hampshire? No, that can't be. New Hampshire went for Joe Biden in 2020. Trump won, yes, but that could be it. Could it? It couldn't be that he was just saying all those things before because he didn't win. Could it, Tom? Crudy, maybe this is going to start uh, going to start a wonderful trend of Donald Trump accepting election results. One nonpartisan expert suggested timidly, you start small, accepting a caucus result, barely enough votes to fill a stadium. Then you accept a New Hampshire primary and bang, before you know it, you're accepting the results of all kinds of elections. The real trick as I see it will be getting him to accept the results of an election that he doesn't win. So we can let the election workers come out of hiding and go about their lives normally without fear. I fear for be- the primary workers on February 6th in Nevada because Trump won't appear on the ballot. Nikki Haley will, and he's going to lose the primary, and he's going to call it rigged. <laughs> it will be so wonderful to have him acting like a normal candidate rather than a would-be authoritarian who won't take no for an answer. I hope uh, this means he's willing to just take part in the democratic process, the expert went on. But at the word democratic, everyone hissed angrily, and he had to leave the state. Certain Trump supporters expressed deep despair as they watched their candidate's bizarrely uncritical reaction to the vote. If I wanted to live in a democracy, grumbled one as he repeatedly failed to strike a match on his khakis to light a torch, I wouldn't be so adamantly pro-Trump. I'm in this because I hate my local election official. Someone else observed, stomping on a discarded Trump sign. I want them to be afraid all the time, not just if Donald Trump loses. We don't want to run the risk of living uh, of living in a country where a majority of people can tell us what to do. Another supporter confirmed, we should not be celebrating this. This just makes them think we agree with the premise. What's next? Accepting the peaceful transfer of power? <laughs> it Alexander Petri. Good stuff. Off the Washington Post. Thank you for a little humor there. You know, her... Dad was a congressman from Wisconsin. Eight four four. You know, it's funny because it's true. 844-967-2789. Uh, let's go to the phones and Nancy from Watertown. Welcome, Nancy. How you doing? Hi, Nancy. Oh, hi. Um, hey, all right. Caught me off guard. Well, Dom, welcome to the party. <laughs> I've been around. Uh, Don was saying something about, you know, Nikki should like go for it. And, and it's something about not, it's it, in a way it's not like before because of the threats. I mean, I'm afraid to put a sign. I'm afraid to use my name. I'm afraid to put a sign out in front of my house. I'm afraid to write letters to the paper though. Watertown newspaper has like totally disappeared, I believe. Everybody I've talked to that used to subscribe no longer does. So I wonder about that, uh, their voice of the people, uh, where people would write in and it would be published with no editing, which was always, you know, uh, a, a real 
good plus that has disappeared. Uh, the water daily times should stay in the race or, or not in the race. Well, what's what do you, what's your thought there? Oh yeah, she should keep going for it. What I'm thinking of is today listening to the list of people that went to Russia with Ron Johnson on July 4th. I forget what year that was, you know, and how all those people are ardent Trump supporters and exactly what what they might have done that might have made them vulnerable. I mean, the possibility for shenanigans going on that Trump has done. I mean, why the heck are all these Republicans just, you know, total fealty toward him? It's just sickens me to see all the Republican Party. I mean, I know and love Republicans. Why are they sucking up to this obviously deficient in so many ways candidate? Oh, I thought you were talking about Dom for just a moment there. Nancy, you obviously are referencing Donald Trump. Uh, Paul Fanlin's got a piece today. Maybe we'll get to it in the next segment. Paul Fanlin writes an opinion piece at the Cap Times. He's sick of listening to Trump supportive. And in some small part, and I don't want to wreck all his punchlines, but in some small part, he thinks they're in it because they like the ugly words. That's what turns them on. Let's stop pretending like... You know, there's some magic formula, some some, some magic beans. If we just, oh, man. if we just talked to them in the right way and heard them down and you know felt their feelings with them, they would somehow be less jerky, less <laughs> Trumpian, oh, less bagger. But they love those the qualities about Trump. That's what it's all about: stirring the pot, man. Talking some trash. Come on, look, look, you see some of the, some of the folks, friends of mine that engage on the social media, man, they're all about that. They've always been about that and they're going to continue to be like that and about that. Stir in the pot, being, being the crap talker. You know what I mean? Keyboard warriors. For, for, and, and, and for a lot of them, it's a goof. They don't even necessarily, although some do certainly necessarily believe, but they just, they want to get the reaction, man. It's like a drug to them. 844-967-2789. Shot at the devil's advocates, Nick. Welcome to it. Hey, Nick. Hey, you guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, man. Well, um, Dom, I want you to know I'm not in the pot, you know. <laughs> um, I'm still a conservative, but I'm not in the pot, you know. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, so should Nikki stay um, in? Nikki Haley? Yes, absolutely. She should. I think so. I, I think she can win some more votes and get some more, uh, you know, electors, and she should. Would you vote for her, Nick? I mean, if it comes down, you're conservative, right? If it's Trump or Nikki, who are you going for? I'm going for Nikki, easily. Yeah. Hands down, you know, um, and I'm proud to say that, you know, because I think she's actually a strong conservative, and she is not a liar and a piece of crap like her opponent you know so that's it's a sliding I, scale know? nick but we'll let you go on this point <laughs> okay okay <laughs> but that's where i am so um but uh no I, i'm definitely not on the trump train i never have been you guys know me you know choo, uh, choo. How, about, how about your conservative so, nick how about your conservative friends we got about a minute left how about your conservative friends where are they at 
um, a lot of them are on the Trump train, and I disagree with them. I say that, you know, out loud, and, uh, but the thing is, I'll, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into politics with friends, especially at Christmas, like my uncle's trying to do with me. Stop right there, man. When is the proper time? You know, now is not the time to talk about gun safety. Now is not the time to talk about abortion. It's always the right time, Nick. Always. here on the Devil's Advocate Show, it's always the right time. But, you know, I could see foregoing Christmas, arguing (laughs) politics with your Trump-supportive relatives. You know, maybe, maybe give give it a rest on you know the baby jesus's birthday come back more devils 844-967-2789 60 percent of the time they're right every time the devil's advocates Thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. You can always join us on the lines, 844-967-2789. I want to thank Nick for the call. Yes, I understand, Crudy. There's perhaps times that it's not necessarily appropriate to point out what a fascist lunatic uh, Donald Trump is with your friends and relatives. But those are very few and far between. And if your friends, like you and I are friends, you get to say things to your friends. You get to be really, really blunt and honest with your friends, especially true friends, friends that love each other. They can share their innermost feelings and thoughts, concerns, and worries with each other. So there's most of the time is appropriate, Nick. And I would encourage you to do so. Because, you know, listen, I voted for Republicans. I voted for Libertarians. I voted for Democrats. Hell, I voted for Socialist Bernie Sanders. I've been all over the board. And if you want to vote for a conservative Nikki Haley or DeSantis or whatever, I get it. But Donald Trump is not a conservative not not in the, not in the sense that i was raised to understand what conservatism means in any sense of the word not fiscally what do you know morally, you ain't a trumpster <laughs> i'm just saying i can observe i can see i can understand uh and, and read and listen and, and comprehend donald trump is not that conservative so if, if, if that's what you want you want to vote for the king crap talker the guy that stirs the pot, if, if that's what you want, you want chaos, you want to wreck the system, proud boys and three percenters, because the government's c- government coming to get you. Uh, okay, I mean, I, I get that. But don't act like this is, you know, the grand old party that's, you know, fiscally conservative and about the family values. Give me a break. Law and order? Oh, it's all lawfare. Sure it is. Sure it is. This isn't Joe Biden laying down Maxwell silver hammer on a dude. This is a multiple grand juries in multiple states and jurisdictions. Evaluating evidence and coming to of their own accord. Damn, that seems like something that should be charged. That's not Joe Biden. That's us. That's we the people, people. So thanks for the call, Nick. Had a rant for just a minute. Sure, you don't want to extend it beyond (laughs) just the several minutes you've taken. Uh, (laughs) Paul Fanlin, a little opinion piece. Not time for all of this anymore. <laughs> Tired of being told to listen to Donald Trump voters? Me too, yes. says Paul. Uh, I'm going to jump down into the body of the work. Fanlin writes, I'll never understand what has happened to Iowa. Decades ago, when I was a journalism undergraduate, he writes, at Drake University in Des Moines, Iowa's governor was an upbeat and centrist Republican, and its U.S. senators were both Democrats. Remember Tom Harkin? Iowans 
We're proud of their national reputation for excellent public education and can-do spirit. Now the state seems a very pessimistic place with a sort of dark and brooding intolerance. As the political circus moves east from Iowa, doesn't it feel like we have all the anecdotal information we need about the Trump supporters? After Trump's 2016 election, a blindsided nation blamed the press for not seeing it coming. The press seemed to agree, pledging to henceforth carefully catalog the grievances of his supporters. But by now, don't we know them all? Trump backers feel left behind and hopeless. They're viscerally angry about their situation and seemingly at everyone who is not them, especially those they view as line-cutting people of color. They want no part of their children learning about the nation's troubled history of slavery and other racial mistreatment. Trump's Republican Party never fails to exploit and expand on that sensitivity. It may be the party's foremost wedge issue, which was a central lament of speakers at the Martin Luther King event at the Capitol. You didn't hear about that. I skipped over that part. As the election year proceeds, many of us are already tired of being told how we need to not just hear members of the Trump base, but to listen to them. We're told to do even as many Trump backers don't seem to care what the rest of us think. F your feelings, right, Tom? Mm-hmm. Jonathan Last, editor of The Bulwark, a six-year-old political commentary website founded by Wisconsin's own Charlie Sykes, made that precise point after Trump won in Iowa. The media keeps trying to, air quotes, understand Trump voters because they don't want to accept the truth about them. If someone keeps choosing an authoritarian and likes the authoritarian even more when he does more authoritarian stuff, then maybe they just like, like authoritarianism. Hmm. Last illustrated his point by criticizing the New York times over the weekend, the times ran part number 937. That's sarcasm. <laughs> and it's continuing attempt to understand Trump voters. It's a gorgeous premium package filled with portrait photography and earnest quotes. The times want you to know they're not just hearing these patriotic Americans. They're listening to them. And um, one Iowan told a Times reporter he loves Trump because he's got principles. That's the key feature there. Principles, Tom. Cody, another tells the Times how he thinks the nation's economic outlook would be vastly better under Trump. The world changes so fast. We're in a different world now, the Iowan said. When Trump was in office, the economy was in absolutely terrific shape. There were more competition. There was more competition or freedom. He added, just as a factual matter, this is false. Every single word of it. Along nearly every measurable vector, the economy is better today than it was on Election Day in 2020. But the New York Times has nothing to say of, about any of that. They just send photographers to a home, of a uh, took a handsome picture, and acted as his stenographer while amplifying his feelings. Last added quite facetiously, we must understand why all of these people support a man who wrecked the American economy, attempted a violent insurrection, is under 91 felony indictments, and has been disavowed as a threat to the country by a large number of the high-level Republicans who work directly for him. A recent Bulwark-affiliated focus group seemed to confirm what the rest of us have come to realize, that it is Trump's most vicious, incendiary comments that get the biggest rise out of many of his supporters, people who seem energized by the promise of authoritarianism. Meanwhile, one seldom sees such heartfelt reporting from Biden country. There are virtually no deep dives into the feelings of people on the political center and left who think democracy is threatened. 
Biden backers also create a huge political surprise when in 2020, Biden overcame slow starts in Iowa and New Hampshire and eventually won more than 81 million votes and the presidency. The vast majority, uh, the vast majority sure aren't social elites, wrote Nicholas Grossman, and economic disruptions and globalization and global uh, technological change. They might be hurt more by a decline of shopping malls than the decline of coal mining, but both impose economic difficulties on the larger community. By every reasonable definition of working and middle class, the Biden coalition has tons of them. Grossman wrote that Biden's nomination defied the narrative that the Democratic Party had lurched to the left, become obsessed with identity politics, politics and eager for socialism. His column's headline summed it succinctly. The media still doesn't get Biden voters and barely even tries. When the Biden coalition gets attention, it generally is about how it could be fracturing in one way or another. In any case, maybe it's just me, but I don't think there's much left to learn about the angry Trump voter. Cap Times publisher Paul Fanlin writing at the captimes.com. We're encouraged, and sometimes, you know, on my better days when my better angels are looking over my shoulder, Dom, we encourage the conversation and we try to hear and listen and try to understand, but mostly it's just a venom for their fellow man, is it not, Dom? I mean, deep down, when you get them in a bar and you get a few in them, they just don't like somebody really, really a lot. And Trump gives them permission to not like those people. And polite society has always kind of restrained their, you know, misogynistic, racist, bigoted, worst instincts. But now they're unrestrained, huh? <laughs> they're living their best lives, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I find some of them to be, let's just say, intolerable. So if you're part of the basket of deplorables, call us now. <laughs> 844-967-2789. Political talk, the devil's advocates. Welcome back to the Devil's Advocates Radio Show. Sometimes I pre-gesture, and then if I'm not happy with the gesture, I'm not prepared to speak yet. I gesticulate when I speak them. I use my hands. Very Italian thing to do. I know you <laughs> also speak it. with your hands frequently. You know, gesticulate. <laughs> yeah. Look like a raven. Numbskull some days, but, you know, just when you're ranting. I've, I've been known to knock over a few drinks, you know, telling a great story. Well, hassing everybody. <laughs> uh, you can always be a part, 844-967-2789. But, Dom, I want to point out the Trump-loving insurrectionist congressman from the third CD, Derek Van Orden. Oh, it is yeah, my yeah. newest impression. There's a real effort to... Let's just say, move beyond Van Norden in the third. <laughs> yeah. Like the Perhaps D triple C's actually. Representatives. Well, I think, you know, maybe even DC is going to pay attention to this race this time, Dom. But yeah, a little bit yeah. of coverage over at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. This an important race. Democratic field narrows. I don't know if you knew this, Dom. And bid to oust Trump aligned Derek Van Norden in the third CD. Now, if you don't live in Wisconsin or you don't know play the game as as much as we do the third cd is along the left side of russ feingold's hand that would be the pinky side along the mississippi river western wisconsin 
And then there's a little jet out that sticks out to like Wisconsin Rapids grabs that, but primarily Western Wisconsin. After ballooning to five candidates, the Democratic primary to unseat Donald Trump aligned freshman Republican Derek Van Orden in a key Wisconsin battleground district has shrunk in recent weeks. Dom, I don't know if you know, but Tara Johnson has dropped out. She is a lacrosse county board chairwoman, and she was a fine guest on this program. She dropped out of the race earlier this month and warned of a crowded primary. And our pal, U.S. Rep. Mark Pocan from Madison, through his support around Stevens Point, State Rep. Katrina Shanklin, he gave his endorsement. And unfortunately, that kind of got lost in the shuffle with uh, Kamala Harris being in our backyard. But anyways, Mark Pocan endorsed Katrina. Now, Eau Claire nonprofit leader Rebecca Cook first reported raising about $800,000 since she entered the race last July. Now, we also had Rebecca on when we broadcast live from the uh, what? What was that? The Line of Kugel's Backyard Brewery in <laughs> Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. Fine location, Dom. She joined us there, and she is still in the race, and she picked up the endorsement in December from the Blue Dog Coalition. Those are moderate Democrats in Congress. And I would certainly describe Ron Kind, the last Democrat that served. Well, he was a blue dog. He was a moderate. Yeah, Talk about sure. planting the seed corn. Lots of lots of seed corn getting planted. Lots of farming vernacular coming out of our pal, Ron Kind. <laughs> I literally still use it today. Thank you, Ron. Now, Eric Wilson, an Eau Claire Democrat, remains in the race, but Harvard Law School student Aaron Knights ended his campaign. And the developments come in. Democrats in Washington appear to be putting a greater focus on the Wisconsin swing state after facing accusations of abandoning the seat in 2022. Yeah, just ask not Congressman Brad Paff about that. Right. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC Dom, House Democrats campaign arm listed Van Orden's third congressional districts amongst its top targets for 24 and has consistently attacked Van Orden over the last several months on everything from his ties to January 6th to his temperament. People think I have a temper. Have you met Van Orden? Oh, man, you don't, you don't sit in the library and yell at 17-year-old kids, do you? Well, not recently. Not drunkenly. <laughs> well, that was well probably not Allegedly. ever. Not not in a library never, context. No, no, come on, man. Maybe I'll if they walk on my lawn. You kids get on my lawn! <laughs> The DCCC is unlikely to weigh in on the primary, however, and just how much attention they put on the race uh, might remain unclear until after Wednesday, August 13th primary. But Democrats in the state like Pocan, perhaps Van Orden's most outspoken critic, say they are confident their national counterparts in Washington are poised to invest in the race in 2024. Here's what Pocan had to say. It's 180 degrees different. Uh, Pocan told the General Sentinel of his the attention on the 3rd District, adding that the National Democrats are showing real commitment to Wisconsin. He noted he spoke with House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries last week about the race and said two years ago, it was like talking to a wall. This time, it's like talking to a sponge. They're very receptive. Yeah, excellent. Glad to hear it. Van Orden, for his part, told the General Sentinel he didn't run for Congress to run for Congress and noted he sits on three committees relevant to his district, the Agriculture, Transportation, and Infrastructure and Veteran Affairs Committees. He pointed to his work to get answers after train derailment in his district last year and his push to keep whole milk in schools as some of his accomplishments. Milk. 
very important issue in our household. My son likes the milk. I less so. Well, I would not be a fan milk. of Derek Van Orden's on any number of issues of policy, insurrection, and otherwise, Tom. Oh, I like milk, man. I, I mean, I went away for a while. I didn't drink a lot of milk. I still don't drink a lot of milk. Uh, but, you know, I got to have some milk of the cereal. And I've done, you know, done the oat milk and the soy milk. and I told the you the things, story but... about Derek Van Orden's office, Tom. They're not offering people milk at 1030 in the morning, 930 well, Central Time. Them? Oh, well, what are they offering? A Miller Coors product, Tom, of course. Because <laughs> they assume all of us Wisconsinites drink with our breakfast. It just happens this morning. In my case, it was true. Had a little stop at the coffee shop. I was going to get a little Irish in there. It's sort of a decadence. <laughs> yeah, I, I treat myself. I'm not a coffee guy. And, you know, so I ordered my little Irish coffee this morning. Little whipped cream on top. Just one. Just one. <laughs> and and she said, light roast or dark roast? I'm like, I don't care about the coffee. <laughs> one shot or two. Double. Eight, eight four, four, <laughs> nine, six, seven two seven eight nine you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning dom that's right Curdy. jeff from racine welcome jeff what do you got for us hey jeff yeah how you doing Good. i um i punched in hunter biden to find out what uh, his military background was because i heard he was dishonorably discharged and then joe got involved and i had it bumped down to something lesser than honorable and he was commissioned as an officer, but he had no military background. You guys know anything about that? Well, I know his brother Bo served uh, with some distinction and then apparently died of, of a brain cancer. Uh, less aware of Bo's military career, but why is it relevant, Jeff? Why is it relevant is because uh, we have a lot of uh, veterans out there that serve honorably in the I'm a veteran, Jeff. Are you a veteran? I assume, sir, you bring it up. Oh, oh, excuse me. I'm a double veteran. I was in the Army during Vietnam, and I was in the Navy during Iraq and Iran. Well, let me ask you, has, yeah. it, has it ever bothered you that the former president of the United States, Donald Trump, dodged the draft? Yeah, that's why I won't vote for him. And I, and I won't vote for him because of that incident in the Washington. I think he aggravated the situation. All they needed to do was get attention to put it on the screen so people could see and uh, hear what's going on. But you don't break into the into the nation's capital, you know. So, Jeff, I, I I find myself at this crossroads because I thought you were implying you didn't like Hunter and you're looking up his military service because you were a Trump supporter. But you tell us you're not supportive of Trump. Uh, you are no, a veteran, which I admire your service, uh, Jeff. Appreciate it. Double Special, veteran. Double veteran. You yes, don't sir. Too many of us. No, no, certainly you don't. Not two, two trips overseas. Not the not the war zones. But Jeff, I'll let you. What what point did you want to make, sir? Well, I like Nikki Haley. And what do you like about her, Jeff? Well, there's um, she's had certain positions that she's held, and she's she's got a good opinion, and she doesn't back down. And you would struggle voting for Biden, I assume, Jeff, at this at this stage. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't vote for him, period. Not from what I've seen and uh, and not from what I've kind of uh, researched and got some more information on it. Well, I mean, um, you may you did, may have this own child uh, who had a disability. He never recognized her. Uh, you know, how much more can you say? And 
What what child are you talking about, Jeff? Was a daughter. You're saying Joe Biden does not acknowledge a daughter with a disability, sir? Yeah. You didn't hear that? I'm I'm quite unaware of that. And I saw that they gave the, the current president, Joe Biden, a lot of grief about Hunter Biden's out of wedlock. That would be his seventh granddaughter. And she was not acknowledged the year prior or a couple of years. And there was actually a paternity suit with Hunter. And uh, I've heard criticism of the president for not acknowledging an out of wedlock grandchild. But no, man, he, he acknowledges his kids. Yeah, okay, maybe that's what it was. I mean, hell, would you acknowledge if Hunter Biden was your kid? I might disown this guy, but Joe Biden, I think to his credit, and out of a father's love, no matter how flawed the son, the father's still going to love him. I wouldn't give him any position. Jeff, let me ask you. Uh, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you you calling in. Um, Donald Trump not only dodged the draft several times, to my understanding, uh, he also, according to his chief of staff and several people around him uh, when he talked about dead veterans. So what was in it for them and why would they do that? And, you know, suckers and losers, that kind of, that kind of attitude, Jeff, Uh, I know you're, you said you're down, you're conservative, you're down for Nikki Haley and you wouldn't vote for Donald Trump, but what if Donald Trump is on the ballot against Joe Biden? Where are you going then? Well, we'll obviously, we'll see how he does and what, whether he supports the veterans because uh, there's, there's a pretty big voice there. And a lot of people are trying to take benefits away from the veterans. What do you think about Tammy Baldwin? Uh, it's my understanding our Senator from Wisconsin's always been pretty strong on the veterans issue. Do you share that opinion, Jeff? And would you vote for Baldwin this time? I don't know. I'd have to look more. Oh no, I wouldn't vote for Baldwin. Why not? I'd have to look more. I'd have to look more into him. I don't know that much about him. Well, Tammy Baldwin, please please do the research on Tammy Baldwin and the veterans issues. Uh, I think you would find her serving admirably. And I say that as a veteran, I think Tammy is great on these issues. So, Jeff, I'm I'm curious. Now, you said you wouldn't vote for Trump because of of what he did at the the insurrection, inciting people or whatever at the Capitol. Uh, But but if he's he's on the ballot, you would have to wait and see. So I, I, do you think, let me ask you about the actions or lack of actions that Donald Trump took during the January 6th insurrection. Do you think it was an insurrection? Do you think Donald Trump has some responsibility for getting the crowd there, inciting the crowd, not doing anything to d- disperse the crowd for three hours, and then finally dispersing the crowd uh, by releasing a video, and then they went home? Uh, is, is that someone you think needs to be back in the White House, Jeff? You want that guy telling our, our armed forces where to go and what to do? I think I told you I wouldn't vote for him. We were okay, less clear. It, we were less yeah, clear, Jeff. You Jeff, you seemed to hedge. If it's, if it's Biden versus clear, Trump, where are you going then? What's that? If it's Biden versus Trump, Jeff, where are you going then? I probably uh, won't vote. I doubt that, though, because I feel that's my right. I've earned it. Yes, sure. sir. Appreciate your call, Absolutely. Jeff. 844 I'm still a little unclear, man. I got to be honest. Well, I think Jeff is suggesting he is a Republican, but he does not support Donald Trump. He's a never Trump Republican. Now he didn't give his clear an answer. I think you did pin him down a little bit that he said he wasn't going to vote for Trump. Let's assume he's a man of his word. Most veterans are. Uh, So he's not going to vote for Trump, 
But I can understand that that would be a very difficult decision to make between what he would perceive as two unpalatable candidates. We've all been to the ballot box once or <laughs> twice, held our nose, and, you know, voted for somebody, right, Dom? Yes. Or not. Yes, not voting yes, is have. also a choice. We would encourage voting, it certainly is, yes. We yes. would encourage Doing voting. nothing is a choice. Well, I would encourage voting. I encourage you to continue to be active and vote and, and you know, learn and participate. Don't believe everything you hear, hear or everything you read. Uh, you know, rely on some of your own life experiences and, what if, and, and take that to the ballot. What if Jeff was the deciding vote and helped Robin Voss get reelected? He didn't vote on the presidential, but he voted and he's from the Racine area. That could be Robin Voss's district. Oh, we should have asked him. Are you what? down for tossing Voss? Uh-huh. Jeff, let us know. You're down for the recall of Robin Voss? And that's being done by, what, uh, the hard righties. I mean, we have we have Republicans in disarray, not just in Michigan, not just in Arizona, certainly here in Wisconsin as well as they try to, what, recall the Speaker of the Assembly, Robin Voss. Come back. More Devil's Advocates. Kicking ass and taking names since the Wisconsin Uprising. The Devil's Advocates. American woman. Thank you for listening to the Devil's Advocates radio show. Our last segment of the day. If you got something to say, hit us up on the lines right now. 844-967-2789. Stick around. The Maggie Dawn Show is coming up next. Dominic, as promised, Maggie has joined us just a little bit early. I got the incomparable Maggie Dawn right here in the WMDX 92.7 FM studios. You got some kick-ass boots on. I like those boots. Well, th- thank you kindly. I bet you kicked Dom's ass all the way to Milwaukee <laughs> and back in those boots. Hey, Maggie Dawn, good to see you. Hey, Dom, nice to see you too. Well, he's he's just a little fella. It's yeah, not I hard with big, with big boots on. <laughs> Maggie Dawn, uh, the world, the political world, it's it's getting a little crazy out there. First and foremost, got to ask you about the presidential race, the New Hampshire. What do you think of the Nikki Haley speech and the Trump reaction thereof? A little unhinged, a little threatening. Yeah, uh, he's clearly in a mindset, isn't he? Um, don't cross him. Don't cross him, I guess. I My biggest problem with, with both Iowa and New Hampshire is we're letting a number of people that don't equal the total population of the city of Milwaukee pick the Republican presidential nominee that doesn't seem to make any sense to me at all whatsoever. Seems downright silly. Um, but that's where we are. Haley's going to get her butt, ki- her butt kicked in South Carolina. Her campaign is effectively over. If she can't pull out the win in New Hampshire um, or at least make it a race, which she didn't, she's done. Well, she's got the, Nevada primaries to look forward to. She is the only one on the ballot. Now that is a non-delegate assigning February 6th primary. I'm going to be in Vegas for it. The caucus on Thursday, that's the one where they're going to assign the delegates. But she's going to be able to claim victory. I won the Nevada primary. That'll carry her at least through Thursday of that week, won't it? Yeah, it'll get her through Thursday, (laughs) but not South Carolina and not to Super Tuesday. I just don't know how she can continue uh, the preference for candidate from the GOP is very clear. Why, why not South Carolina? I mean, it's her home state. We know that Trump's very popular there and she might lose by 20 or more in her home state, 
would that be politically disastrous for, let's say, a future presidential run from Nikki Haley? Why get out? Why not just stay and get your ass handed to you? Yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. I actually think it's a terrible idea to bring uh, to bring her campaign through South Carolina and get trounced by 20-plus points. If you're watching the polls, she's effectively done. Um, I'd be cutting my losses. I would have her stump-speeching and taking on Trump. You know, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound at this point in time. She might as well go for it. But I don't know why you continue to blow tens of millions or hundreds of millions of other dollars. Other people's money. Other people's money. Um, it's just disingenuous. She's done. She but is you're done. She just but told what, us it was only a couple hundred thousand votes. Doesn't, doesn't there have to be something else? I mean, even even if she you know gets it to, to South Carolina and gets, gets beat by Trump, I mean... It, you got to keep going. What are the Republicans going to do, man? Do you think that this is just this they'll is just it? keep doing what they're doing? I mean, <laughs> but of course, you look at New Hampshire; they're not going to get any independence. They're, they're going to they're going to they're going to lose terribly in a general because Trump can't win anyone who's not mega. Listen, I'll, I'll just say this: I said it back in August of 2016, and I'll say it again now. Anybody who's saying if it's Trump Biden, Biden wins easily is fooling themselves. It is going to be razor thin again. I think Nikki Haley would have posed a greater threat to President Biden. Um, But make no mistake, this is not going to be a cakewalk for President Biden, despite the fact that his economy is booming. He's um, created more jobs than virtually any other four in a first term president in modern American history. Um, And those are real jobs. Those aren't you know, sort of the way that the Bureau of Labor Statistics calculates all this stuff, those numbers can be sort of fudgy a bit. No, real middle class sustaining jobs. He's just winning on all of the metrics. I think he's, despite criticisms about how he's handled uh, the Israel-Gaza conflict, he's tried to thread what is a nearly impossible needle to thread. Um He's done extraordinarily well um, as both a president and I think he'll continue to do well as a candidate is handling of COVID, the American Rescue Plan Act. You know, we could go on and on. Um, Again, his policies work for the middle class. Donald Trump's don't, period, full stop. On the merits, it shouldn't be close, but we're not in a political environment where the merits matter much anymore. She is Maggie Dawn. It was observed as you walked in the studio and joined us. Our recall on the text line says, Maggie walks in with papers, files, cross tabs, all business. <laughs> Love you, Maggie. Oh, great show, guys. We're an afterthought now that Maggie's here. Love you too, Rico. Thanks for the shout out, buddy. So, Maggie Dawn, uh, the, the theater, perhaps, the Republican nomination, you know, most of the drama gone. It's going to be Trump. And that says something about this party. And I actually heard on Righty Whitey Talk Radio of all sources, they were getting a little introspective. And they said, well, maybe this is the Biden administration playing four-level chess in this regard. Maybe they set out a couple years ago to make Trump irresistible by laying out these indictments. And I thought to myself, how crazy is this notion that if Trump was indicted, it would make him irresistible to the base? And effectively, Trump won the nomination through indictment. Yeah. I would think as a Democrat, Bob Menendez didn't suddenly get more appealing to Democratic voters (laughs) in New Jersey. I I, I thought uh, many Wisconsinites and certainly many conservatives 
take personal responsibility seriously. And I find it rich that despite that proclaimed value, when it comes to taking accountability for what's going on within the GOP and how these two primaries have played out, it seems to be everybody's responsibility but Republican voters, but for Republican operatives, but for Fox News. It's everybody's fault or or credit, whichever way you feel about it. Um, you know, credit where credit is due here. This is what the voters have selected that are conservatives and GOP uh, members. This is what the party elites have selected. And this is what everybody that has been part of this movement has preordained. They have gotten their wish. Maggie Dawn, the incomparable one. Final thoughts here. Did you ever see the firing of Adrian Griffith coming? Or Joe Barry back-to-back days? Oh, Joe Barry? Are you kidding me? Just give him seven yards on the first down, Joe Barry? Yeah, he was going to get fired. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. Adrian Griffin, everybody loved him in the box organization, but there has been chaos when it comes to play calling and defense calling. I think that one was foretold a couple months ago as well. Well, thank you to Civic Media sports reporter Mike Clements for updating us on those important topics. Maggie, what's on your big show? I'm going to be talking immigration and talking to a great friend of mine, lawyer Joanna Frachek for the city of Milwaukee, who is an immigrant herself and been a lawyer member of the Wisconsin Bar for 10 years. Can't wait to talk to her. Stick around for the Maggie Dawn Show, then the Empowered Caregiver with Liza Helen Brand, then the Nightlight with the Pete Schwaba. Keep it locked, Civic Media.